Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories and tips on how to find your purpose, empowering you to create your own life. This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, launching in May, demystifies the subject of Dharma and helps you tune in to why you're really here. Life is not meant to be hard, and when we get on our soul path, it all changes. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma for more information. And without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. just spoken to the lovely Lisa Dad. This is a really good interview for anybody who's sitting in a corporate job, who's unhappy and doesn't know what to do next and is scared to leave. Lisa's interview is amazing. She describes the exact process that she worked through to now recreate her life. So listen in, you're going to get some really valuable tips here. And she gives some really practical down to earth advice about how you can quit your job and find and follow your purpose. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a very special guest, Lisa Dad. Welcome. Hello, thank you, Kitty, for having me. So Lisa is all the way over in LA. Lisa and I got connected by the power of synchronicity. We have mutual friends and my mutual friends, if you must talk to her, she's amazing. She's got a great story and she'd be perfect for Kitty Talks. So. Here she is. Uh, Lisa is a transformational teacher. She's an author and a speaker. And she's written a book called Finding Fabulous, Paving the Path Between Paycheck and Passion. And obviously, we talk all about finding and following your passion on Kitty Talks. So I really wanted to introduce, invite her and invite her to tell her story with us today. So Lisa, welcome. And thank you for coming on Kitty Talks. Thank you. I just absolutely love your show. And I love the whole purpose and intention of it. So I'm so glad to be here. Yes, and I'm really excited for the guys that are listening to hear your story. Um, obviously, we've just caught up before coming on live on air, and Lisa's been telling me all about her travels. She's been Costa Rica, in Europe, in uh, obviously in LA, in Canada, and she very much lives by the voice of her intuition. Um, but take us back, Lisa, because I know you also had a more traditional kind of corporate work environment how long ago were you I suppose living what I would call a more traditional lifestyle it's just over five years ago now that I decided to yeah walk away from my corporate career that I held for uh, 15 years so yeah (laughs) I get the time flies (laughs) but it's been over five years already and what was the pivotal moment what was you know um talk me Talk me through the kind of period before you finally handed your notice in. What was what was going on for you? Yeah, you know, I spent 15 years sort of climbing this corporate ladder, I would say accidentally almost. It was like 
I didn't really know where I was going with it. I just was chasing the challenge and the excitement. And when I got bored, I would, you know, get a promotion. And, and it, it, would, it was this process that was going on year after year. And I used to say all the time, you know, when I figure out what I really want to do with my life, I'll go do it. And I started to realize as the subsequent years were going on in my enjoyment and my joy and in my even engagement and what I was doing got less and less, I started to realize that I actually wasn't figuring it out. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything to help me get to that place where I knew exactly what it was that I wanted to do. So what you decided to just create space so you could figure it out, it's very brave. Yeah. Mm. Well, what happened really was um, I was sort of forced into the decision a little bit. So this is where your life speaks to you. If you're not listening to it, it gets a little bit louder and louder. I had always been very successful in my career and it was fairly easy for me until one year I had a boss and we just, we just batted heads and it was a real struggle. And I started to actually feel like I couldn't be me anymore it was really becoming even more and more evident that it wasn't a place I was thriving in. And so by perfect circumstance, my company started to go through a major downsizing. And I realized when all my colleagues around me were afraid of losing their job, that I was actually afraid of keeping mine. Mm. And it was this like huge, huge aha moment for me um, when I realized that, you know, I was, I was more afraid of keeping my job than losing it. That said something. And that was the moment when I decided to start really listening and looking at why I really realized, why am I waiting for this company to make a decision on whether I kept my job or not when I didn't even want it? So it was like, I was waiting for someone else to make that decision for me. And that didn't feel good. Mm. Wow, that's a big epiphany, isn't it? That, you know, that actually, oh my God, I don't even want to be here. It's a huge, a huge epiphany. And I think sometimes the universe can actually conspires for us. You know, quite often you hear stories of people who have made redundant and it's the best thing that's ever happened mm. to them. But they needed that push. They needed that kind of extra shove from the universe to actually make it happen. Yes. And, you know, as it turns out, I was told later that had I not raised my hand and asked for it, that I was going to be kept on. And wow. so um, it was really important that as I was, I mean, I had this moment in my kitchen, literally, where I was standing there deciding what to do. And all of a sudden I realized I could just go. It was like, <laughs> it was like the thought had never occurred to me before. I thought I could just like ask to go. And it was the second that hit me that I was simultaneously frightened mm. and liberated. Mm. So... And that was you, a huge moment when I thought. Had you been having, because like I know when I've been in situations like that, but in the past in my life, it, it's like a little voice is speaking to you going, I don't really want to be here and I don't enjoy this. But we kind of push it down and we ignore it. And then it kind of just gets louder and louder and louder to the point where it's screaming at you, for God's sake, you know. Is that, was that your experience or was it more of a, oh my God, you just had the epiphany? No, it was, it was like, um, if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, and he has to live the same day over and over again, and mm -hmm. until he learns what's going on. I think I was having this like extended time lapse of Groundhog Day, where every year, 
and you know, my sister used to laugh at me. She goes, you always get to this point at this time of this year. It was like, it was a cycle. Every year I would be at this point where I was like, ugh, you know, what am I doing? Do I feel like we're having the same conversations about the same things? And it just wasn't connecting anymore. I thought, what is my point and my purpose in all of this? And it, it started to feel really disconnected and really almost painful. And when I realized that, it became even more painful to stay the same. So it's like that realization comes to you and you realize this isn't the place where I'm thriving and I could be doing so much more with my life. Then actually staying in that place becomes, you know, unbearable when before it was just like I was comfortably numb. Mm. And then I got really uncomfortably numb. Mm. And then I got painful. And then I made a choice. And you realize there's probably loads of people listening to that to this who are in your position right at that second they're in that corporate job they're not being fulfilled they know something's not right so can you speak to our listeners who are scared excited Mm -hmm. i my first advice is to start noticing what you're noticing and (laughs) the first time someone said that to me i thought well that seems obvious but it wasn't once i started saying to myself okay i'm going to start noticing when I feel like this, you know, and what is happening around me when I really feel disconnected, when I feel frustrated, and also the moments when I feel happy, enlightened, because in every situation, we can focus so much on the negative that we forget to learn what we can from the positive. Mm. So it isn't to pretend things are positive, but it's to say, okay, well, you know, I would notice that when I was in a meeting on a Monday morning, after a restful weekend, I was yawning 10 minutes into the meeting. Like I was tired and I was reaching for the tea and the, and the sugar. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to like stay awake. And I'm like, this is 9am Monday morning and I'm exhausted. And what does that say? And then if the sh- I would notice that if the meeting shifted and it turned into a brainstorming creative session, especially if they let me leave the session and we could start thinking out of the box and I'd get the markers on the flip chart, all of a sudden my energy was up. And I was like, wow, okay, so when we're sitting at this conference table, having the same conversation, circling around the drain, feeling like I have no input, my energy drops like crazy. When they give me some room to be creative and to engage with people in a different way, I feel really good. Mm. That's it. And, you, and there's a lot of information there. Yeah, well, I was going to say, use, use the expression numb. And I think that and when you when we shift our consciousness, so we are conscious and we can recognize the difference because that's powerful, isn't it? What you just described, but it's getting yourself to a point where you're even aware of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because the situation was kind of making me numb and I was adding to it. Right. So when you're grabbing the sugar and the coffee and we're like numbing it even more. It's like our body knows we're not happy where we are. And it's like, how can I just distract myself? And often for me, it was just taking on another job and another job and another job. And I started to realize with each successive job, I was getting less and less enjoyment out of it. So it was like distracting me for a little while. And so, oh, this is different. And then it was like, okay, now it's not different anymore. (laughs) So eventually I said, I'm only climbing this ladder like for distraction. Not, I'm not actually going for anything that's really exciting me and lighting me up. I mean, that's really what the aha was. So what happened? You took voluntary redundancy by the sounds of things and then did the fear kicking? 
Did the what? I'm did sorry. The, did the fair kick in? The fair, that must be an English expression. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wondered, like, I like you, it, but. <laughs> well, uh, once you kind of handed your notice in, like you said, there was like a mixture of emotions, probably excitement, but also fear. Mm, there was, yeah. I was allowing myself some time. I literally said, I will give myself six months to go into full self-discovery, start to figure out what it is that I want to do. And if I can't figure it out in six months, I'll go back. I mean, that was what I said to myself. I could always go back. You know, the can erase my experience and my knowledge. I could go back. And by six months, what was super clear to me, even though I was still on my path to figuring some things out, what was completely clear was I was never going back. <laughs> and that's a big piece of it. And so I would say, you know, I spent a lot of time playing with some ideas and asking myself a lot of questions that, to be honest, I wish I had asked myself much, much sooner. So those of you that are, are listening to me now, I'm saying you don't need to wait until you leave your job to ask some questions. Start doing the discovery now. And what type of questions can people ask themselves? So they're listening to this, they're in their job, they're unhappy. What were the questions that you found most poignant? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love to do, so the energy one is big for me, the noticing your energy and where it's at. That's a big piece of it. Um, I also think that there's a few other things that give people um, some clues. And sometimes it's different for different people. So for some people, it's irritation. Like what is a problem or something that irritates you so much that you're just like wishing somebody would find a solution to? <laughs> and it's possibly that you're the one that's supposed to be solving that problem. And that's why it irritates you so much. Uh, another thing is to start looking for the patterns of your life. When you look back on not just the jobs you've held, but the sports you've played, the extracurricular activities that you're, you're, in, you're lured to, even the, the websites that you gravitate to when you're playing on the internet, there's a common theme that runs through them. And if you can start pulling out the common themes that your curiosity, your fascination, your interest, and maybe even your frustration sometimes, when you start looking at what those things are, it starts to bring up new awareness of what what you're naturally drawn to. Like, I think we all have the answers inside. It's just a matter of like peeling back the layers to get to them. So it sounds to me like you gave yourself a bit more space. Like obviously you, you obviously left your job. And what did you do exactly? You said you asked, us, asked yourself some questions, but in that six months, what else did you do? Yeah, initially I started, I did take on a consulting job. Um, someone had suggested to me that I had all this knowledge, I could start consulting other companies. And so I played with that space a little bit without giving myself any pressure that it needed to be the thing. So I started dabbling in what would it look like if I could do my job on my own terms, my own time? Would I like what I did if I just had more flexibility? And, it, and again, it gave me some information about the fact that, you know, I'm not super passionate about the marketing piece of it. I love serving others and, and helping them figure things out, but it wasn't in that business perspective of marketing. And I hired myself a coach. I think that's key. I, I had the, at least the awareness that I knew I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. And so I got support and I hired a coach and I would say the other, the, the, the game changer for me was increasing my network 
And so I literally launched myself into a networking group of women that I never would have met if I had stayed on the path I was on. Mm. So I, I thought I could either sit in my, my house by myself. And yes, I've got the coach giving me a couple of pointers, but where could I find a bunch of other, uh, this happened to be a women's networking group. I didn't particularly look just for women, but it was a women's networking group of on, other entrepreneurs and uh, small business owners. And that's where I started really hearing some of the stories. And that's really where the, some of the seeds for my book started because I started hearing these fascinating, beautiful stories of transformation from all these women who were brave enough to take these major leaps. And it just was like, wow, I selfishly wanted to know all these answers I had questions to. And slowly I realized that maybe they'd be useful for other people and maybe I could put it in a book and it would be useful. <laughs> So it sounds to me like the book was kind of slowly but surely downloaded to you. You kind of got the pieces of the puzzle coming through. Mm. Yeah, it, and in that vein, it was for someone like me who has a challenge, I, I'm growing in my patience, <laughs> but I had a challenge with patience as I was writing the book. It fascinated me how long it took me to write it because I always say it was a book. I wrote it in four hours, but it took me two years to do it because it literally came to me while I was driving. I was driving actually home. I had taken this giant trip across North America with my dog to sort of sort all of my feelings out. And I was driving back from Indianapolis to Detroit, which is about a four hour drive, four and a half hour drive. And I just turned on my voice recorder and I was like, okay, what is this book all about? What is it really about? And I hit record. And I spoke out each chapter mm -hmm. in rough, obviously not word for word, but roughly what every point of it was, every, every story I had heard, every aha moment, every theme, every connection. And it literally dumped out of me. And when I hit stop on the recorder, I look up and it said bridge to Canada. And I was <laughs> like, I think I just wrote my book. Cool. Where did that come from? Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say it was, it was sort of downloaded to me for sure. And then it was still a lot of a process and steps that needed to be taken in place to actually, um, you know, manifest what it actually looks like today. But yeah, yeah the four hour book that took me two years to write. Yeah, fantastic. But, you know, I totally believe that we're kind of incrementally prepared for our purpose, you know. So at whatever point we kind of decide to um, become a bit more conscious and start listening to our soul, I think the stuff that we've done prior to that has all been in preparation for what we're here to do. Like, can you see how the grounding of your corporate career has been useful now in what you do, um, coaching and helping women? Yes, definitely. Definitely, hands down. And, and even to that point that you're saying it's, it's revealed incrementally, the more I interviewed people for the book, the more I realized that almost none of them, I think I could almost say none of them, knew when they decided to leave their certain circumstance that they would end up where they were at the time I interviewed them. It was like, I followed this, but then this happened and I went down this path and then this happened. So it was almost like I, my, one of my favorite quotes is, um, I think it's JP Morgan. He said, go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll see farther. Mm. And I think that's a key point to anybody who's thinking of taking an action is that you don't have to know where you're going to be in 20 mm. years. You know, people always say, what's your five year plan? What's your 10 year plan? It's like, all you need to know is what is the decision I need to make right now? Mm. What's the right now decision? Mm. I take it. 
and then it's going to open up some other decisions. Mm. And then, so I don't have to have find the, I mean, it's a bit liberating, right? It's, you don't need to know the right answer. You need to know the right now answer. Yes, it's totally liberating. And I think once you've been in it for a while, you experience it. And I, I look at it like a breadcrumb trail. Like for me, it's literally been, you know, once you decide to make the jump and make the move, slowly but surely you get these little pieces of the puzzle. They drop in and you'll follow it. It's like the yellow brick road. You're almost following the little breadcrumb trail <laughs> you get. And then like you said, when you're there, the next bit opens up and it becomes evident what to do next. But I think for people listening who maybe haven't experienced that, they're, they're living in what I would call the older paradigm where they're having to work harder. You know, it's much more about like pushing mud uphill. Whereas once we get into Dharma and our flow of life, it is a flow. It's the, the synchronicities that you're following, that you're flowing and, um, well, and even when we're in it, let's, I mean, let's be completely clear yeah. that as liberating as it is, it can also be frustrating because <laughs> it's like you want yeah. to know what's this going to look like in five years sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but we're, you know, we're sort of programmed as children. We're programmed as children to, to need to have the answers all for, at, you know, we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we allow them to have all sorts of fantasies when they're little kids, right? Little kid says, I'm going to be a professional hockey player. You're like, yay. Someone else says, I'm going to be the queen. I was like, great. <laughs> um, you know, as we get older, there's a certain point when there's a shift and we don't ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. We're asking, what are you going to do? What job are you going to go after? Who's going to pay you enough money? And it sort of switches into that role. And it's almost like we expect kids in high school as they're deciding what to go to college or university for. It's like, Pick something now that you're going to want to do until you're 65. Mm. It's like crazy. Mm. It's crazy that an 18-year-old would know that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? Because I think, you know, you don't ask a child, do you want to be an accountant? Or, you know, do you want to be um, an engineer? You know, they, the, the, thing that, the things that children come up with are like movie stars or fashion designers or astronauts. And, you know, things like that to me are, are, are bigger dreams. You know, they're kind of dreams that you're you're following rather than a kind of put them in a box type scenario um but i was going to ask you because obviously well and we can we can learn so much for go on carry on well i was just going to say we can learn a lot from we can learn a lot from those children because usually we we will say i think she's going to be a singer when she grows up and you think why do i why do i say that because every time she gets to play she plays singer yeah. or every time she gets to play, she wants to play dress up. And we say, maybe she'll be a fashion designer, like in our adult minds. And so as adults, we don't know what we want to be when we grow up. It's like, what if we gave ourselves space to play? What if you could just play? And once you start playing, someone would look at you and go, Hey, you could do that for a living. You're so good at it. Mm. If you had that natural spirit of play, like we used to as kids. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that play energy is a very high vibrational fun energy. And I think, you know, all the interviews I've done where people start having fun, where they start just playing, you know, just doing what they enjoy, that's when, like you said, the next bit of the breadcrumb trail comes in and they're like, meet somebody or have an urge to go to the amount of people. Well, you just said to me that you just had the urge to move to LA. So. You know, I won't be surprised in six months' time if you're telling me you've just met the man. Of yeah. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot as well. 
Well, that's part of, yes, perfect. That's the part of the plan for this year. So thank you for putting that in the space. <laughs> yeah, I can feel it actually. So there you go. <laughs> He's there. I can feel it. So yeah, but then that takes courage to just follow. <laughs> It takes courage, though, to follow those, mm -hmm. those um, urges. Yeah. Well, and I find that, you know, environment's big. I have a whole chapter on environment in my book. And I think that an environment that allows you to, allows us to play and to open up space is what we're striving for, right? It's like, how do we create the perfect environment? Well, how do you just create an environment that allows you to be more yourself? And for me, as we were speaking, you know, before the show, LA does that for me. Because I love being outside. I love hiking with my dog. And when I'm in that energy, I'm more creative. I'm more playful. You know, I once just joined an improv class because it was down the street from my house. I mean, these are things that I just naturally get into this playful spirit. And I just want to be in that more. So that's hence why I'm like sort of led to go back to LA to allow myself to just be more in that energy. Mm. And when did you know that you wanted to do the teaching element of it, like trying to be a kind of coach, transformational teacher? When, how did that come into your life? I think I was uh, 10. <laughs> um, I know that's odd to say that, but it's, it's so interesting because throughout my, my younger years and even into, into high school and university, I wanted to be a doctor. Right. I loved helping people. And I thought that's where I was fascinated by the human body. And so I thought that's where my helping people would go. And I actually applied to medical school and by the, you know, the grace of the universe and the grace of God, I, I didn't become a doctor. I ended up working with doctors <laughs> from a corporate perspective, really seeing what their lives were like and understanding that this is the past thing I was saying. If you look back at all your experiences, I've kind of always been a teacher. Mm. And the part of the corporate world that I loved was when I was running workshops and facilitating sessions. And bringing new perspective and new ideas that people could really grasp in a new way. Mm. That was the part I loved. Mm. Just my job didn't have enough of that for me. Enough of that for me, right? Enough autonomy in that space or even enough frequency of me doing that. Mm. So I, I think I've always kind of known that. and But it never sit with me that um, I wanted to be in a class, like a public school teaching children. So when we grow up, we think a teacher is, or at least I did, I thought a teacher taught in an elementary school or a high school and they had kids and they taught in a certain way. Now I realize teachers can be teaching in all different kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, you know, broad, uh, like I think about Oprah who says she wanted to be a teacher. She just ended up teaching in the largest classroom in the world. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that sort of says it all, right? Yeah. So in that kind of six-month period that you took to, I would say, almost find yourself, was that, um, that became more evident to you that you that what you wanted to do? Yeah. You know, it, the piece, it's following the pieces of the, the joy and the happiness and the fascination. And I, I come back to this because that first coach out of corporate asked me what brings me joy. Mm. And, I, and I didn't know. I didn't know how to answer her. I was like, what do you mean? What brings me joy? Mm. And it was such a sad moment for me. I thought immediately when I didn't have an answer, I kind of wanted to like tell her what I thought she wanted to hear. Mm. And I thought, wow, like 
that's, I mean, that's probably why I called the book Finding Fabulous is I was chasing success and I forgot that success includes happiness, fulfillment, joy, um, connection. There's so many pieces to success other than money and stature. It just seems to get to, to be lower priority. Mm. And so my book, when I say finding fabulous, it's my new word for success. That includes all those things for me. Mm. Mm. So um, you're, what's next for you? Like you're, you've been, obviously you've done this big transition sort of over five years ago now. And obviously you coach and help other women. Um, what's on the horizon for you? Mm, yeah. You know, what's really become clear to me in the last year is that I am called to take women on adventurous transformations. And so <laughs> throughout doing a lot of my own transformative work, I realized that my natural style, my desire to be in nature, my, mm. how much fun I have playing with different environments that I I want to take that the transformative place and not do it in a meeting room or over the phone necessarily, but actually allow women to have an experience where all these beautiful concepts of follow your dreams and listen to your heart, and be more present, where they can actually embody them in an experience. Mm. So I'm currently building out that adventurous transformational um, space where, you know, I, and it came from me climbing mountains. You know, when I climbed to the base camp of Mount Everest, I had this major transformative experience because I was in it. Mm. And I still, to this day, go back to those learnings. And I think, how wonderful would it be um, to, to be able to leverage people's actual lives and see the transformation um, from, a, from a different space? And, and it's fun for me to bring people into those environments. And what was the epiphany you got from climbing uh, Everest? Uh, well, I talk about it in my TED Talk. Um, I talk about the two most liberating words you'll ever say. Um, I landed, I'll give you the, the, the Coles Notes version. I landed on at base camp and I was um, altitude, I had altitude sickness and I was dehydrated and I felt empty and I felt tired. And I was still expecting when I stepped onto base camp, which was in my opinion, my destination, that when I got there, I would automatically feel happy and fulfilled and, and like, yay, I did it. And I was lying on the ground because I could barely stand up, lying on the ground and looking up at this beautiful sunny sky. And I'm like, why, what is wrong with me? Am I never going to find that satisfaction? Here I am at this destination that I trained for for so long. Until I realized that, it, that, des, that base camp's not the destination, it's just a turning point. Mm. I still had a week to get off that mountain, which sounded like a long time when I felt the way I did. And I realized, wait a second, I, I'm not there. It's just a turning point. And the second I realized that, I turned. And really where that joy and satisfaction and happiness came was when I came down the mountain. And I like walked through the gates of the town of where, uh, the town of Lukla. And, and it's so parallel with my corporate life. I thought when I got to a certain salary grade and I, I could pay all my bills and it was mortgage free and all these things that the joy and the satisfaction would be there. And what I realized instead of getting frustrated and sad that I didn't feel that is I, I as soon as I said, wait a second, 
life's not over. This is just a turning point. Mm. The joy and the satisfaction came with that first step. And so, I mean, to me, I can always go back to that reflection of how I felt in that moment on that mountain. And, and the, the energy I was able to garner to scrape myself off the ground and start walking was like, ah, home is that way. Mm. So it's powerful for me. Mm. Yeah, I have to say, I think mountains are powerful places where you can get some great lessons. Like I had a, a similar kind of experience or breakthrough climbing Kilimanjaro. And um, there was this one stretch where it's so steep and you just... You know, my attitude was to get my head down and just get on with it and just, you know, plow my way to the top. Mm. And then, of course, I got to the top and I looked around and I was like, I've done it again. You know, I keep, you know, that whole analogy of when I get here, I'm going to be happy, like you said. And it was, you know, that real realisation that actually the journey is where we should have the fun, you know. Every day we should have mm. because when you get the book deal or you you get the house or there'll always be something next, you know. So actually, it's yeah. Not- well, and that's the yeah, that's the and that's the whole point of me when I say finding fabulous. It's not that you're going to find it; you're going to feel fabulous for the rest of your life. It is that journey of continuing and finding fabulous right where you are, yeah. seeing where you want to go. You know, it's it's a it is a continual kind of. Um, embodiment of the idea that life is all about finding the joy and the fabulous along the way. Mm. Mm. So for those of you listening, you know, I think Lisa's story is a really fantastic one for, for us to learn from because she took a while to listen to her lack of fulfillment, if you see what I mean, like all of us do, because it's so easy to stay in a job for much longer than we anticipate. And obviously she got a bit of a bump from the universe, but she did some amazing things that you guys can learn learn from. So create space, find what lights you up, follow what you really enjoy and don't take it too seriously. You know, I think that's the other thing that people do that they kind of get really (laughs) like head up. Oh my God, why am I here? What's my purpose? And I'm afraid it's uh, it's the most beautiful journey that all of us will ever take. I'm so glad you added that last piece about not taking it too seriously. Cause as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, and play with it, play with it. I often will say that to my clients when they're deciding on a, you know, a, an angle for their business or an angle for um, new relationships. And I'm like, just have some fun with it. Create the space that allows you to play in, in, in not such a serious kind of way, you know? Mm. So and there's lots of strategies to do that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to um, pretend that it's always super easy. All I'm saying is put the energy and the effort into giving the space to play so we can have some fun with it and learn something from it. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's one of the hardest decisions that people will ever make, but it's um, one of the most. If I look back now to how much has oh, – I was in a 12-year corporate career, and I think within th- three years after leaving – my world had expanded at such a huge rate. I was like, oh my God, why didn't mm. I do this? Do this years ago. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a complete world of opportunity out there. But um, don't, you know, do it when you feel ready. And Well, yeah. there is, there is. And I just want to add one thing, if I can, to that statement, because often I think it looks like my book is about everybody should leave their corporate job. And it's not, it's really not even about the decision to leave your job. It's about the decision to be more intentional about the way you live Mm. and more aware and mindful about what, what you want from your life 
and what it's how it's serving you and how it's serving others. Because some of those people in the book, since I've written it, have gone sort of, I want to say back, but they haven't really gone backwards. They've gone forward to take on similar jobs and just their mindset and their lifestyle and their intentions. Everything has shifted in the process. So this isn't about just quit a job. This is about the decision to live more intentionally and to live more mindfully. Mm, absolutely. And listen to that internal voice that you know, speaks to us all, all at all times and create space for it. So um, we will have all of Lisa's details in the show notes, including her website and her book, if you're interested, obviously, in finding out more about her. Um, but Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Kitty Talks and sharing your story. I really know this, this has been so helpful to so many people. <laughs> I can sense that. Well, and thank you, Kitty, because as we talk about playing, this is always fun for me, is coming on and talking with people that are like-minded and on the same path and thank you for the opportunity to play with you today and stay in touch lisa because i'm intrigued i want to know why you know it will all become clear while you're in la and I, you know i've got goosebumps, <laughs> got goosebumps so i definitely think there's a oh good yay um, it's time it's time so thank you for that <laughs> well it's coming through so i'm just delivering the message mm. <laughs> Now I'm even more excited to get there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, seriously, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Um, but thank you so much for coming and sharing your story on Kitty Talks. And we will have another guest, another amazing story and guest next week for you on Kitty Talks. So be sure to join us. Bye-bye. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma.